Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Joel Elston here. Today is Thursday, October, November the 1st, 2018. It's 8 a.m. New York time. That's uh, 5 a.m. Los Angeles time. And uh, let's see, we're not yet at Daylight Savings Changeover, so it's 12 noon in London at this particular point in time. And this is your Daily Dose of Happy. And uh, Joel is back after... uh, uh, a week away, it always seems like, even though I have all, all these shows every day, Joel, I, it always seems like it's a long time between our shows, so when they come, I'm really glad when they get here. Well, I, I certainly always enjoy it, and uh, it, it, it. I guess when you're doing it every day, I have no point of reference for that, but I guess if you're doing it every day, um, it would seem like, you know, wow, I've done a lot of shows, but in my world, mm-hmm. it's like life happens so fast, it's like, well, that's, did we do it yesterday or the day before? So, <laughs> that's uh, right, yes. It, it, it's sort of like where we always end up, it's all about perspective. Perspective is everything. Oh, my goodness, it's everything. I've been discovering that in new and interesting and exciting ways lately, just how big perspective really is because it's huge. Um, but uh, it's good. You know, it's good. It's good to recognize the role of perspective and, and to recognize that everybody's perspective isn't the same as yours. That That's something that's been a big thing lately um, as I've been looking at what's out there in popular culture and the news and politics and so forth, people are often forgetting that other people's perspectives aren't the same as theirs. And, and it, the interesting thing is when you forget that other people's perspectives are different, you set yourself up by doing so. Well, and, and this is, it's, it's really uh, amazing. And I know we have a topic to get to, but I find it amazing that this, you've mentioned this because just last night uh, I was on Facebook and one of my really good friends, lifelong friends, uh, a really good guy, um, we're not always politically in tune, but um, <laughs> really a good person. And, and we, we're able to you know, bypass the political stuff and make fun of it often. So any of my interactions on Facebook has, is always intended to be positive or lighthearted. I never have any intent of offending. So what, we had a, a series of posts going back and forth, and and it, it, one of them, I said, well, at least you're being honest. And he, he wrote back and he said, well, that's my downfall. I'm always honest. And I, <laughs> and I said, and it still seems very benign to me. I said, huh, well, at least you always believe you're honest. <laughs> and, yeah, that's, that's a good way to start one. <laughs> well, and, and, I, and I really, and, and I mean, and I mean that for me. And I oh, of course. Everybody else. And, and he said, I'm offended that you would call me a pathological liar. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, you know, uh, first of all, no intent to offend. And it, it, it is simply our truth is our perspective. Mm-hmm. And when, when he that, – and that's, that's the big message that I think relays to most people, and that's what gets lost, in, especially in politics and beliefs, different beliefs and religion and stuff. We have different truths. And our truth, you know, uh, is is based on our experiences, what we've been through, and those truths are different. So I, I mean, I, I really, really offended this guy, wow. and he views what I said as him being a pathological liar. Now I don't know what's going on in his life, and I don't know what's dictating his perspective right now. That was not my intent. And this gentleman is exceptionally honest, and mm-hmm. and does not in any way. Maybe that's why he is so, so. Uh, concerned about what I'm saying. Uh, but it, it, it's never intended that way. And, and I was, you know, and, and I want to give it a day or two and I'm going to give him a text and say, look, I, I, I don't know the spectrum of your perspective of the life. I have said similar things multiple times. And for some reason he interpreted that. And, the, and this really isn't even about him. This is simply about a perspective that he's viewing a post that I had zero point of I, I, I never go on Facebook to offend. I, I really don't. It's, it's always positive. It's always joking. Uh, and, and so in the middle of what I thought was our normal joking back and forth, it, he interpreted that as very much uh, an attack on his uh, character, I guess. Oh, that, that and, I run uh, into that a lot with uh, politics. Anytime I, I try to avoid talking politics these days, but I used to do it a lot with people. And the simple fact is politics is one of those realms where people believe that Perspective really has nothing to do with it. It's all about objective fact, and you're either stating the objective fact or you're not stating the objective fact, and it's black and white, which is not true, but that's the way most people look at it these days, which is really 
it's kind of indicative of where our culture is at, but uh, people just treat things like they're objectively black and white, true or false. Very simple. Yes, yes, and and that that that's important to uh, uh, you know at least to me is understanding that, feeling that, going through that, and 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 li- really living in a place where there there is it, this is. I used to be a very black and white person. Mm-hmm. It, it was very simply, uh, I thought something to be true. Mm-hmm. And, and as I've been through what I've been through and seen what I've seen, you know, and, and I use this example just because it's what I use all the time when I'm giving talks. But, you know, you get some, some young man or young woman born in inner city Baltimore, which is a really rough area, and some person born in, in midtown Manhattan. Mm-hmm with great privilege and one of great, they truly have a different view of our country. Completely. It's not completely that you cannot expect their view to be the same. I, I, I can get very mad. They don't see it the way I see it, but they, they grew up with a different view of it. It's, yeah. it's, you know, in the best analogy that I've, I've heard and, and I, I don't claim I use it all the time, but I, I don't remember where I got it or if I, I, who I got it from, but if you look at, you know, I could I could have pictures of let's pick some random thing. Let, let's let's take a, you know, say the Statue of Liberty, and I can give you fifty different pictures from different angles of the Statue of Liberty and the surrounding areas of where I'm taking it from. If I'm taking it from a really really dilapidated part of of New York toward the Statue of Liberty, you saw that, and and the light wasn't right. It's like oh, that's sort of a it's a little ugh. Mm. Or, or if I take it at night with the beautiful lights lighting it up, and the, 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 the you know from from again from Midtown Manhattan where you got all this incredible beauty around you, right? Wow, that's one of the nicest places in the world. Uh, I, I read recently that there is a, a, a in Paris, France, there is a hotline to call. This is true, Walt. This is going to sound crazy. There's a hotline to call for people who get to Paris and are disappointed. <laughs> Really? <laughs> it is, yes. It, it, it is because you see, when I say Paris, the average person who has not been to Paris, you're thinking, I don't know what you're thinking, but you could be thinking, what? wow, all these beautiful, you know, the, the Eiffel Tower and all this gorgeous, you know, the... The left uh, bank, you know, the, the Arc de Triomphe, all that, yeah. The Louvre. Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for bailing me out there. I was <laughs> and, uh, but, but the point is, there's people that get there, and while that stuff is going to be beautiful introspectively, or it may be within the moment, the city of, of, of Paris is, has, is like any other city. Yeah. It's got some really rough areas. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's grimy in certain parts, and it, it is not that you know, the, the people spend a lifetime wanting to go there expecting this, and they're disappointed. They literally have a hotline to help people sort of vent that the city is not what they thought it would be mm. because their perspective or their, their view was dictated in a certain way. And, and I, I just, you know, I know this isn't where we were planning on going with the show today, but <laughs> it, the way you started, it, you know, it, it really hit home because it, 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 that, that is, you know, my, my, one of my next books is, is, you know, perspective, the human superpower. And it's getting more and more relevant in my environment to see just, how perspective plays out and, mm-hmm. and everybody's perspective, especially with the, the peripheral, peripheral, I can't say that word today, the <laughs> increasing use of social media uh, is, is huge where you're getting so many diverse different views. And then there's more and more, and, I, and I'm not trying to blame anybody. I mean, our political no. environment is weird, but even, even within the, the spectrum of the political thing, you'll hear people make exacting statements as fact, and so much of it is opinion. Right. And that is, you know, who is the greatest president of all times? You will hear that, and so much of it takes place from a perspective of what you grew up with. And it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I I have a a really dear friend that uh, uh, is, is extremely Democrat. I mean, extreme, I mean, you know, very, very Bernie Sanders level, that way over their side, you know. Right. And a very nice lady, and she she she's very very liberal, and she she used to she called George Bush years ago the Antichrist. Really? And um and I and I said, well, you know, I mean, that's a little that's giving him a lot of power there, you know. <laughs> and, uh, uh, 
you know, I, you know, I, I think George Bush loves our country, whether you agree with it or not. And she recently said, George Bush is one of the finest men we've ever had in office. Well, and I'm like, what happened? She's, and she said, well, since things have changed, my perspective of what <laughs> it, it really – so from her perspective, she really sees where George Bush is so far off from where she was at versus what her perception of what we have right now is so far off. Right. So yeah. it, it, her perspective has adjusted because she sees, again, from her perception, uh, a different – level of what she thought was out there is is so far out there now that she changed her view and so the perspective is is it changes and we we have the ability to change and there's a lot of people that really fight that change because it, it at some level you have to admit you're wrong or at least you you did not always have that same perspective my my beliefs in the world are so far from where they were even 15 years ago it's it's amazing Mm-hmm. All right. It is amazing. And the thing that I've noticed is that, uh, for myself anyway, over time, uh, I, I don't think of myself as being wrong because I don't think that's really a, a productive way to look at it. But I think of myself as exactly. having changed my perspective and changed the way I think about something. And right. uh, sometimes for the worse. But, but uh, you know, generally recognizing that, you know, what used to be, it's kind of like what you just described. When you're in the middle of something, it feels really, really bad. When you look back on it, it doesn't seem so bad, no matter how bad it was. Right. You know, there's always something right. worse. On the other hand, there's always something better. You know, it's both. You get you get both sides of it. But because it's in the rearview mirror, the reaction is, well, those are the good old days, <laughs> which right. is really strange because that's not the way we were looking at it at the time. But oh, in the past, yeah, it's okay, those are the good old days. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that that that's so much. Uh, uh, that's so amazing. How you know, like like your perception. I I, I heard this. These two gentlemen, they give a talk, and I, and these are very. They're older gentlemen, and uh, one's uh, African American, really nice guy. The other's a, a old country white guy, really nice guy. And they're, they've been friends for years, and but they politically were on very off. They grew up in two different. 1950s mm-hmm. you know they uh it, it was they lived five miles apart but they grew up in totally different worlds and to hear them that you you hear the the one gentleman who grew up in the the you know the at the time the the very pervasive huge middle class in the united states uh you know in, in a uh white family where it's easy to get a job and and you know you could have one job and take care of you can even you 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 uh, pump gas at a gas station it was a salary that you could live on, and so it was a really from his perspective there was no crime, that uh, it was great times there mm-hmm. was low unemployment and people really they believed in God the way he believed in God so things mm-hmm. were great so you hear him describe the fifties you're like wow I really miss those fifties. Then you hear the other gentleman describe, he's, again, he's not trying to be negative, but he grew up in an incredibly different 1950s. And and he talks about the inequalities. His his uncle was lynched mm. over allegedly having a, 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 a consensual affair with a, a white woman. Mm. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, the, the, the a lot of the, the, the women in his community were raped, uh, and, and, and just and there was no justice. And and he, and he described it not in a victim role, but just saying, as he explains what he saw the fifties at. Now he also he thought he thought his family was closer when they were in extreme poverty. He, he has a view that's a little. Now he's very wealthy, by the way. Mm. Uh, he's worked his way, you know. And, and, but he he views. He said in some ways, I you know the wealth has given me options, but it's also. My family's not as close as we were when we really had to, you know, we, we didn't have anything to do. So we had to sit around and tell stories and sing music and you know, pretty much the stereotypical view of that. And and he said that he misses that as well. But but so much is a perspective. And, and I think that, that the answer for us, for all of us, is to wake up in this, you know, the, the realization that all perspectives are, are personal and they, they're on a spectrum. And there isn't a right or wrong that we're so all desperately seeking. So when you, when someone looks at, a, a, for example, just using rant again, not getting political, but using examples, someone who truly is a believer that 
President Trump is protecting us from the hordes that are moving up from the south. He's going to send troops down there. Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, right. And then there's another perspective of, of you know, well, that's just absolutely ludicrous. We, we have so many more problems than, than, you know, a few thousand people that are a thousand miles away from our border. And this is clearly a political move to get, you know, it, blah, blah, blah. And you have all these views when in reality your views are totally dictated what, what – what's important to you mm-hmm. and what's going on in your life. It, yeah. It's like, you know, I, I have a, a friend who lives in Russia who uh, laughs at what we call poverty. Yeah. He said, your poorest people are our middle class. Mm-hmm. And he said, we, we have no safety net here. We, we have no safety net. You, you, you don't eat. It, it, you know, it's called survival of the fittest over there. You, you don't eat, you don't eat. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't have food stamps. You know, the idea that you – know, and so he, his perspective is we're all crazy and that we're all spoiled. And uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and – and, uh, Well, it, it, it reminds me when I was growing up. Stuff. It reminds me when I was growing up I, and I didn't even discover – I, I discovered the first half of the 50s, as you described it, for most of the time growing up. I didn't even learn about the second half until I was well into high school toward college. And when I learned about it, it the, the shock to my system was so great because I said to myself, how could this be the same country? How could that possibly be? On the one hand, you have this one picture of idyllic. On the other person, on the other person, yeah. On the other hand, you have this, this country that is a horror story. How could that possibly be the same country? And I suspect that there are a lot of people who simply can't handle that dichotomy, and so they reject half of it, whichever half is appropriate for them to reject. And that's why they have so much trouble with perspective, because it's a shock. It's a shock to the system to see two really, really different kinds of countries in the same country. And, and, and the, the, the narrative that we, you know, there is one right answer is where everybody gets their frustration. Mm. If you just saw it the way I saw it, you would understand it versus... right. I try to understand how they're viewing it and what they've been through. You know, I, I, I know, you know, as, as you know, I work with uh, foster care children and, uh, and, and trying to find them homes and also doing counseling when, when I can with them. And, and one of the, the pervasive thoughts they have or, or one of the experiences they have is imagine being a child ripped from your home and, 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 and having no one to back you up and, and, you know, probably half the people in your life are, uh, have, you know, they're, they're, they don't have the best of you, your intentions. You know, they don't really care about what you or you're an object to obtain something, whether it's sexual or or, or just get money. And, and so you're not treated fairly mm-hmm. and you have no voice. And it's, it's one of the most underrepresented populations in our country because they're the weakest. There's no population for the uh, there's no very few advocates that really hit home for foster care kids because, you know, a lot of times they act like little asses and they, they because, you know, and you say, God, he's just, he's so obnoxious. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, well, how would you act if, you know, the, these things happen to you? Mm. And so to hear their voice and then help them learn a perspective that they're in charge of it, it is empowering to them. Mm. Uh, the same as, as to everyone that is listening, your perspective, it gives you, when you, it gives you the opportunity to say, let me look at someone else's perspective. I don't have to agree with where they're going with it, right. but if I understand how they got there, that's that's like the the concept of the kneeling for the flag and all that other stuff. Mm. It's two entirely different perspectives that neither side listens to. Yeah, they're just convinced the other side is out to destroy them. Mm-hmm. When in reality, if you hear both, you don't have to agree with the other side, but when you hear both sides, you understand why there's such such incredible intensity and, and uh, stuff like that. Oh yeah, so, no uh, doubt. We the, for for something that wasn't a topic, we sure killed half of the show with that. <laughs> yeah, we did pretty well with that, didn't we? And I do want to take a moment yeah. to uh, let people know we we've actually been taking steps to make their perspective easier when it comes to finding out how to subscribe to the podcast because I've been getting some uh, nice, some nice, in- nice tie in there. Thank, thank, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, uh, we we've been getting uh, some input from people that even as simplified as we had made it, we hadn't made it simple enough, and people were still having trouble subscribing. So. To make it just one step simpler, we have now, we are now putting in every single 
podcast description because no matter where you go to to listen to the podcast, whether you're listening live, uh, like right, right, right now we're we're live streaming to the Law of Attraction Change My Life group in Facebook. So there's a description that goes with that post. Or if you're listening to the podcast in uh, in your subscription, and there's a there's a description there that has a. Uh, uh, the links in it and so forth. No matter what you're looking at, the description now has links for subscribing with either an iPhone type device or an, or an Android type device. And if you click that, it should just walk you right through the steps. So we're, we're trying to make it as simple as we can. But if you're not yet a subscriber, please do just look in the description, find the link, click it and walk through it so you can get all the episodes coming right to your smartphone. And if, if you're an existing subscriber and for the new ones as well, please Keep putting out there on social media, or maybe even start putting out there on social media. Many people haven't even been doing it yet. Please put out on social media that you're listening to LOAToday.net so that more and more people can get their daily dose of happy, more and more people can get the idea of how perspective works. Perspective is important for everybody to understand and to know so that they can make their own lives better, let alone to live peacefully with everybody else, but just to make their own lives better. Perspective is very, very helpful. So, yeah, please help pass the word along because we'd really appreciate that. And speaking of perspective, you know, you mentioned uh, this message that we'd received from one of our listeners and how we'd gone off topic. We actually haven't gone that far off topic, believe it or not, because his message, and we'll read the message that Dan sent to us, his message is clearly a message about trying to understand his own perspective and trying to get kind of wrap his head around it. And he, he's actually done a pretty good job. When you hear the message, you'll see oh, yeah. what we're talking about. He's actually got most of it figured out, but he's still wrestling with his own perspective. So perspective is everything, and it, it, it applies to the main topic of the show today. So, yeah, let me uh, take a moment. I'll read the, uh, the email that this guy sent, wonderful email, and then we can discuss it a little bit and see if we can give him a little help, or more precisely, if Joel Elson, life coach extraordinaire, can give him the help, because Joel's the expert anyway. <laughs> At least that's my perspective. <laughs> so Dan writes, Hi, I just wanted to drop a quick message, and thank you for the podcast. You're welcome, Dan. We're so glad that you're a listener. He said, I started listening a few weeks ago as I just happened to stumble on it. Good. That means that uh, all the people who are putting out the messages that they're listening, thank you very much. That's how Dan found us. I've been studying the Law of Attraction since 2006 when I first watched The Secret. I listened to Abraham and have had some successes. What I've noticed is that all the good stuff that has happened to my family has come through my wife, but seems to come when I'm feeling good. Interesting dichotomy there. I know what I've heard is that the Law of Attraction doesn't work that way, but it seems to for us. Bad stuff happens to our family when I feel down. I've meditated on and off, but lately it has had a huge change in me. I'm well on my way to four months of meditating daily. Congratulations. I'm down 55 pounds. Congratulations. Off my CPAP, wow. dropped my insulin, all doctor's orders, and I feel incredible. I wasn't really focusing on the health issues, which is probably why it came, LOL. I'm focused on money, and it isn't coming. Should And, and it, it isn't coming. That should tell me something, huh? Well... Laughing out loud, anyway, I do have a question that maybe you can help with. What doesn't make sense to me about the law of attraction is that in the secret they say that you can be doing good, feeling good, doing the work, and then feel like the stuff doesn't work, and all of a sudden what you want goes away. Why does it go away so fast but take so long to come? Sorry to ramble, but wanted to thank you. It is appreciated, and sometimes it is hard to hear, but usually manageable. Keep up the good work and keep smiling, Dan. So thank you, Dan, first of all, for that message. That's a wonderful message. And uh, now we're going to turn it over Good to Dr. Else. Elston, so Dr. Elston can diagnose the message. <laughs> well, well, one of the things that I'm really excited about when we get messages, and, and Dan, uh, Dan's amazing, and he he answers his own question and he knows that as he's writing it, you yeah. can tell uh, he's like, well, uh, you know, the, the, the concept that he's meditating, which by the way, Dan hits on something there. We, I don't discuss this often on air. Meditation is a huge part of my life. It took me forever to be able to do it, uh, with my really severe ADHD brain. But once I, I, I figured out some techniques that work for me, it, it is incredible conduit to the law of attraction and as dan pointed out um he he was fe worked on feeling better he worked on on he, his focus wasn't necessarily on losing 55 pounds however his focus was on feeling better and shockingly not shockingly he loses 55 pounds 
plus getting off his insulin, which is just a, a massive, for those of you that have type 2 diabetes that are insulin dependent uh, or use it, not insulin dependent, that use insulin for your type 2 diabetes, understanding how how important that is. He he literally changed his structure where the his, his body was not able to produce enough insulin, so he had to add it. So he lost his weight. His health has improved so drastically that he no longer needs to supplement his insulin. His, his body is now producing enough. And as he states, he feels incredible. So his focus wasn't there. So that happened. It manifested like, wow, I mean, you know, that came up. So his focus on feeling better and a positive thought and all that, it, 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 it was, it, it worked. And then he answered, again, answers his own question with, I wasn't, you know, since I wasn't really focused on health, um, but I'm focused on money and it isn't coming. And as he said, that should tell me something. Mm-hmm. So we're what we do, and and I and I know he has a, a more direct question after this. But what we tend to do with the law of attraction, and you and I have had this conversation now for years. It, it it's feeling the emotion of what if, if you want money, if you want if if you need money, you need financial success. It's feeling that you already have it, and the law of attraction will feel it. it it picks up on what you feel. It delivers the reality of that. When you're focused on a lack of money, I am worried about money. I am, and, and, and when I say that, it, this is without judgment. It, it is there's harder. One of the hardest things to do within the concept of the law of attraction is when something like that is facing you, really, really facing you, and try not to focus on it. When your mortgage is due tomorrow. Try not to focus on the mortgage being due tomorrow. It's almost an impossible statement um, when when you don't have money. So I get it, but his focus on money is really where his resistance lies because it's it's focusing on the lack of money, creating more of a lack of money. And again, he realizes that. So the question, I think, how do we avoid that? And is that how you see the question too, Walt? Oh, well, yeah, I see it in three parts, actually, but you're right. And I would say that's the one that I identify with the most because, I, as you know, I've had very much the same kind of issue for myself and still continue to, and I'm still working on improving myself in that area. Uh, th- but the, the whole thing about uh, being so focused on money and what you're actually focused on is the lack of money. The funny thing is when you're in the middle of it, you don't think you're focused on the lack of money. I mean, you are. If you looked at it objectively, like from a third-person viewpoint, it'd be clear to anybody else you're focused on the lack. But you yourself, you're not focused on the lack of money. You're focused on, yeah, hey, i got to get the money in here. That That's not lack of money. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well in, 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 in dissecting the email again, here's what's happening. When, when he really focused on feeling good, <clears throat> he didn't specifically focus and say, I need to produce more insulin and lose weight. Right. However, the, the, the law of attraction said, this guy feels good. So his health is now going to match how he feels. Right. It wasn't a focus or if, if it would be the other way. If, if, if uh, you know, I have people who have a load, a ton of money that are in very poor health. Mm. They cannot, they're, they're, they're type two diabetic. They can't get their health together. Uh, they can't eat right. They can't do all these things, and yet they have a ton of money. Mm-hmm. So money's not a it, it doesn't mean anything to them. They're they're you know I have money a ton of money. However, my health and so they have the reverse scenario. Right. And and so when you can the hard tightrope to walk is truly feeling an abundance when your perception is you don't have an abundance or you have a lack of money or a lack of of, of wealth in general. And so when you, you know, it, it comes and goes easier. You, it, people tend to have the same problems over and over and over. Uh, uh, you, you know, sometimes generationally, but you know, a lot of times you'll pe- see people that, you know, wealthy families. They, they money's not even an issue to them. It, it's just, it, it's just expected. It's there. It's they, they don't, they don't budget. They just spend as much money as they want to do. And it doesn't matter. However, they often have relationship problems or health problems or, or all these other, you know, anxiety problems. You, you know, I hear uh, a lot of my clients of great wealth have uh, uh, a lot of anxiety over what would seemingly be silly issues to the average person. Uh, but it's not to them. It's, it's just as serious as anything else. So mm-hmm. the ability to not focus on the lack or, or I have to have money. The emotion attached to that is anxiety toward money. 
the law of attraction says, okay, that's what you want, more anxiety toward money. And it's like, no, 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 that's what I meant, not what I meant. Well, sorry, that's what you're putting out there. So, yeah, fear, that's fear hard too. That, that's really hard because, you know, I mean, when you're in the middle of it, it's like, but I, I'm not trying to be anxious. I'm trying to be positive about it. You know, so don't I get like brownie points for that? <laughs> uh, uh, well, we can we can maybe appeal to the law of attraction to give you brownie points. You generally care. Uh, it, 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 it has no emotion. It simply picks up on what you're putting out there. Here, when I was uh, early in my recovery, I had uh, uh, there were multiple times that I made it to the end of the month with barely enough money. There were there were times when. I had change left over, less than a dollar. It was amazing how I was always had just enough, and it usually didn't happen till the very last day of the month to cover what I had to cover. And I mean, every day of my life focused on money. It was, it was, and, and money was hard to come by. And then at some point, I realized, huh, I do seem to every month in a row, I, I, I am able to manage this. Now it's never, I don't, you know, I, I might be stumbling across the finish line every month to do it, but I always managed to do it. And so I was able to get to a place of, huh, well, I'm, I'm going to be able to get through the month, but I'd like to start putting some money back. And then little by little, my, my, my view of it all changed. And, you know, you get to a point where you have an abundance and you're not in that mindset. Like, I, I'm not worried about money. And, and it, 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 it's something that just, I don't think about it. I, every month I go to pay all my bills. There's money left over. I move it to my investment account. I, I just don't think about it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't budget. You know, I'm not recommending my lifestyle to everyone else. But and also I don't, at the same time, Walt, I'm not spending from a state of lack either. Yes. I don't buy stuff I don't need. I'm not. I, but I don't say I have a thousand dollars this month to spend or whatever. I, I just don't do that. But I also not making stupid purchases and not buying stuff that I you know just simply don't need. So there's a, a natural, because I don't have a feeling of lack. Since I have an abundance, I don't need to go, it, it just goes together. Um, there's a, a, a meme on, uh, on Facebook that I was seeing the other day, and it, it was in one of the Law of Attraction groups, and it, it shows you know, a picture of uh, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett standing together. And, uh, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, but it, it, the, the concept is you know, Bill Gates is wearing a uh, – just a watch, not a Rolex, just a watch, you know, like a $100 watch. Uh, he's wearing, you know, some Dockers khakis. And, you know, his whole outfit costs, you know, uh, you know, $200. And Warren mm-hmm. Buffett's probably was even less than that. And these guys could buy any clothing manufacturer they want to. And then they show a picture of, of you know, the average person running around with a $300 purse or wallet or wearing $400 shoes, it, 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 and I'm not critical of whatever you want to have. I, I, this isn't about that, but it's about those guys just don't care. It, mm-hmm. It's not a thing for them. It's, right. it's it's not a, you know, Warren Buffett still lives in the same house he had for years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it, 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 it's, it, now he might have 50 other houses. I'm not saying <laughs> that he doesn't have a place either. But, he, but he, his, his primary residence is the one he's had for years. So you get the idea that, that what you're putting out there, if you feel like you're lacking, or I got to do this, and as our our good friend Dan points out, the stuff that he isn't focused on in the process of this is is just stellar. He feels incredible in those areas. Right. The stuff he is focused on is where he sees the resistance, and that is the million dollar answer. That's that's where we come in of how. That, that vibrational feeling of what do you do? And there's, there's multiple techniques. Uh, you have to figure out what works for you. But the, the, it, it is so incredibly, for me, it was so incredibly difficult. It took, that part of the law of attraction took me the longest to quote unquote master, mm. um, where it, it just, because the other stuff, my, my, I've always believed my health is good. I mean, I do. I, I come from, you know, very good genes, uh, you know, I, I, I'm in great shape. I, I, I work out daily. I don't, I don't, I don't worry about my health at all. I feel great again because I eat well. All that's a reality for me. So that's not even a thing. Right. Um, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy in the relationship that I have, and and the person that she she's great, perfect relationship for me. It's 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 not a major event in my life, but it's someone that gets how I am with that. So 
all of those areas are great. My job, I love my job. Uh, I love what I do for a living. But the money piece to me is where my energy used to go, and I would all the only anxiety for years I would have was involving money or thinking way down the road or, you know, if a client, uh, you know, all of a sudden is is like, okay, well, I, I don't think I need to be coming as often. In the beginning, I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? Well, five more clients will show up. I know that'll do. I'll just I'll just see more clients. It's just not a. It, it, but at the time, you feel that, and so as Dan's ex- explaining, he wants to break out of that. So if he could apply the same principles to the money side of this that he did to the health side of it, Dan will quickly fill the void or fill the fill the lack of uh, what his perception or perception lack of with the abundance that that exists that he has already found for his health. Yeah, I agree. In fact, uh, I, I'm still working on this myself, and I, I've been making it a project in a sense to really work on this part for myself lately um, for a number of reasons. One of the things that there, – there are a couple things I've become, become really cognizant of in the last few days alone. One is when we think about money, we usually are trying to think about trying to attract the money in. You know, We're trying to think about how do we get more of that coming in, and so that's where the focus is. But I've also been realizing lately it's even more important to focus on how the money is going out because when you have that lack mentality, like I've had for many, many years, and I'm trying to overcome it, when you have that lack mentality, when the money goes out, you turn it into a torture chamber. That's what I do anyway. I turn it into a torture chamber instead of like what you're talking about, which is treat it like it doesn't even, it isn't even part of your day hardly. You don't give any thought to it. You don't yeah. give any consideration. You're just paying the bill. It's a bill to be paid. That's all it is. Yeah. So that's one of the things I've been working on is getting myself to just treat the bill. It's like, this is just a bill to be paid. That's all it is. I pay the bill and I don't give it any more attention than that. And that has and, helped and, to some degree. Yeah. That has helped to some degree. That but, has made, and, made things better, made things easier for me to handle, if nothing else. One of the things that helped me a lot, and, and again, I, I, I'll just say for me, and, and I know not everyone should be in the position, but I, I'll get I'll get an unexpected something come in. You forget about it. Yeah. Or, oh wow, this, you know this came up. Or the other day, there, there, you know, we went on we went on vacation, and uh, I, I think toward the end of August, and uh, we you know, I always try to have a really good time when I go, and I don't pay a lot of attention. Well, when the American Express bill came, I, I have a normal American Express bill that I expect every month, and you know I'm not thinking about it. So it, it I, I, when the bill I, everything comes on the email, and when it came up, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like three times what it normally is. Mm. Well, my initial reaction was a for a split second was, oh no, no, and then I immediately knew that that was an old feeling. I'm like. I am so grateful. I said, let me pay this. It wasn't due for a month. Let me pay it right now mm. in full. Without being worried about it. And I did. I did. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I, I did it from a point of gratitude. I'm so grateful this isn't a thing. I'm so grateful that this isn't a I'm, you know, and, and you're living in with that. You're like, oh, wow. It's, it's just this awakening when you can see it that way. Uh, when you can – you get to that point of having the ability. And, and, and if you don't have the ability to pay it off, Pay that. Pay what you can immediately. Yeah. Or release it out there and say, "Awesome." And and you know, I don't write checks anymore. Um, very seldom do I ever write checks. But if I do, you know, like uh, I I I always write thank you in the in the note. You know, thank you for this. Thank mm-hmm. you for your service. Or you know, when the I, I do send every year because I do want a hard copy when I pay my IRS check. This is a hard pill to swallow. Um, but I will write. I am grateful for the ability to contribute toward my country and it's, it's, wow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm here. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure they're looking at it going, what a dumb ass. Um, you know, I'm sure they're probably thinking that when they look well, at it. Well, it depends on their perspective. Maybe, right. maybe they're the other perspective that says, wow, I'm so appreciative of that. <laughs> yeah. But, but I really, and I really believe that way. Now, while I don't agree with 90% of where we're spending our money, I'm grateful that I can contribute. I'm grateful that I'm in a position to, to make enough money when I pay a lot of taxes. I, instead of looking at it like, oh my God, I got to write this huge check for taxes, I look at it. I am so grateful I'm making enough money that this is what I have to pay. Mm-hmm. I, I want to pay more taxes next year because I make a lot more money. This is true, yeah. Yeah, that's the way that works. Um, the other thing that I picked up just two days ago um, there's a movie out that I had never heard of before. Have you heard of the movie E Motion? No, I have not. 
Interesting movie. It's it's not really, really well organized. It's a little bit um, airy-fairy the way they put it together, but it's got some good stuff in it. It's literally uh, Emotion and the Law of Attraction. That's really what the movie's about. One of the points that one of the presenters made, oh, two, two of the major presenters you'll recognize, um, one of them is Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote the Conversations with God series, and the other is uh, Dr. Joe Dipenzia. Um, those are two of the presenters in the book, but or in the movie, rather. Uh, but at one point in the movie, one of the presenters, I don't remember what his name was, I'd never seen him before, never heard of him before, but he was talking about this topic, the topic of, of people having trouble attracting money into their lives. And his point is one that you've made and other of my co-hosts who are also life coaches have made that I've been trying to, to apply a little more attention to lately. But this, for, the, for some reason, this one really hit home with me. He pointed out that if you have the same pattern over and over again with money and, and you're, you're continually playing out like, you know, just getting by or, or, you know, always uh, feeling frustrated by bill paying or, you know, whatever it is, something about money that's just giving you a hard, hard time. You're just not getting anywhere in terms of attracting the money in the way you want to. It often means that you have some kind of an emotional block in the way. So what you want to be doing is trying to identify what that emotional block is and work through it and get it out of your way so that the money can start flowing in. Now, that, that's a fairly basic concept, but for some reason it resonated with me when I saw the movie a couple days ago. And I can't say I've honestly figured that part out, so I'm going to turn it over to you and, and, and let you talk about it a little bit. How, what, what, what's one of the best ways that you know of to kind of get those emotional blocks out of the way? Well, the, the first thing is to identify it, that's a, and I do agree with that, but I, I do think that the emotional blocks can be years in the making. They can be handled, handed down from generation to generation. Oh, yeah. They can be things happening right now. And so understanding what, what the emotional block is, you know, sometimes, you know, whether it's with money, uh, you've heard me use the the natural instinct or the natural desire that keeps most people from changing a situation is the body's tendency for homeostasis. It wants it wants to stay safe and secure. And no matter how it may not seem to us that, that we're safe and secure, if you have a if you have a roof over your head, you know, a lot of people don't leave jobs that they hate because of the fear of not being able to get a job. Let, let, you know, you'll hear that all the time. Don't leave a job. And by the way, I'm not suggesting anyone leave a job until you have another job. But don't do this because of you're, you're, you're not going to – you're doing it out of a fear base. So the emotional blocks could be many things. But what is if you can identify the emotional block and then really start undoing that in a sense, rewiring that, and, and trying to call it out for what it is. You know, when you I, – I, can I handle the abundance? Can I handle the uh, – do I want the responsibility with abundance, or do I want to change? Or the truth is I, I just say I want to change because it's, it, it, it clearly I should want to change, so I'm just saying this. And, and, and that's <laughs> one of the questions that I always ask is I have, the, I have this uh, a gentleman right now that, that's a really good friend as well, but I, I, I'm helping him out in, in a sort of professional capacity, and he has a, a relationship issue, and and uh, you know, he 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 he's, you know finds the woman of his dreams, but yet he's sabotaging the relationship. And I'm like, well, you know, I have to ask the question. I said, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to plant something here, but it, it, do, do you really want a relationship? Because it, it you found what you claim you want, and now you're doing these things to push the relationship. You're behaving in a way to push it away. And so sometimes we make an assumption that we want something. Or it, it's beset, you know, I, 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 I've had that incongruence in my life as well where I logically say I want this, but I, my actions say the total reverse of that. And that's really, really important that when we're, when we're looking at for the emotional block, part of it is do I really want what I think I want? And, and that's, that's pretty cool if you can, if you can figure that out. Yeah, well, you mentioned generational stuff because generationally, I've been realizing. In fact, Louise and I were having a conversation about it just last night um, because I had been really working with this and struggling with it at times too, and just trying to you know get a grip on what's going on with with my life. And during our conversation, she, of course, uh, as you know, Louise has a therapeutic background. She was a therapist for ten years. Um, 
she was trying to, she, she, she tries not to be my therapist, but she was trying to, you know, give me some, some help in that way. And in the course of, uh, she was asking me some questions and in the course of, of trying to answer those questions, I found myself talking about a situation with my mom growing up that I hadn't given any thought to in a long time. And the most amazing part about it, uh, is that as I look back on the conversation and as I look back on that time, I can't see any connection between that and not succeeding at attracting money in. It, the, the two seem to be so totally, completely disconnected. And yet, as I was helping, as she was helping me focus on, you know, what is it in my past? What kind of, of monetary history do I have in my family and so forth? That's what came up. And that was disconcerting for me. How could it be that something comes up that doesn't, on the surface, seem to have any connection to money? So I, I say that to point out that when you're looking for trying to find out what it is that that block, that emotional block might be, you have to kind of accept almost anything that comes because you never really know whether or not it's connected. You can't just logically connect it together and say, oh, yes, there's a definite connection there. It doesn't always work that way. Absolutely. And, and that, well, and, and that, that's the, that's what makes it so difficult. I mean, I have, I, I saw clearly, it's sometimes the easier examples, you know, when, when you have the more underlying things, they're harder to find. Uh, when my mom, when I was younger, probably about seven or eight years old, I have a very specific memory. My, my mom had divorced my biological father at that time. And of course, she married the, the man that I call my dad. And so we had a very difficult few years. Mm. And, she truly was working a, a, a single mom, working a job in a bank, and uh, I, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, she's making a hundred dollars a week or something, very small. Mm. And, um, and 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 so we're we're truly uh, looking back. I, it, it, it's fearful. It brings up a fear to even think of having lived that way. Mm. And so I remember we, we got home. My grandmother kept us after after school, and my you know mom drove home and was going to cook dinner. And when when we we got to our mobile home, um, I remember, I'll never forget this, mom opened the mail and just started crying. Mm. Well, I'm going, what's wrong? And she said, our mobile home insurance went up $50. Mm. And I don't have the money. And I was like, even at eight, I'm going, oh my God, that's horrible. And I, I, I can see where her fear and her anxiety and her you know, all of that. And, and, and I, even at eight years old, I remember she went, I, there will be a day in my life where $50 is never will ever be anything. It's nothing. It won't be anything. And, and I, I try to remember just, and, and that stuck with me. And, and as I had to struggle through my own stuff, there is, and I watched my mom through her entire life. She married my, my dad, who was very successful, but she never got away from money being an issue in her life. And, and, as you know, as time went on, uh, he, she changed a lot of my dad's perspective to the other way. That you know, he 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 never worried about money and always had plenty. And then he near near the back end of their working career, my dad's still alive, my mom has passed, uh, and and they're all set. He's all set up now, but he started be, having a fear-based existence with money and started losing all his money. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 so you know, it does have gravity when you're and if you sit around and worry about it, but it. There's there's origins for almost everything. It doesn't have to be family related. It could be, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, um, people who've been through divorce who, on either side of it, they either were, uh, you know, ripped. People were barely making it when they're married, and also now two households are trying to live off of one income. One person doesn't want to pay. The other person wants more, and 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 you money becomes a thing, and you see. Couples that were actually doing pretty well together when they get divorced are, are both now in fear-based of money, and so money. Is, and, and then you look on TV, and there's a you, know, you you look at what everybody else is doing. You look at how everybody else appears to have plenty of money, and I'm the one that doesn't. So now you're you're adding that emotional barrier that that somehow I'm not able to keep up or or let you know my my son Justin. Um, for those that have been following my, our podcast for a while, I, I adopted Justin a couple of years ago from the foster care system. He's doing really well. But like the other day, he mentioned to me, he said, uh, we need a bigger house. <laughs> Why? Uh, and he's, he said, well, so-and-so lives in this other – we live in a really good neighborhood. You have a great house. 
Hmm. Uh, so-and-so lives in this other neighborhood that his perception is, and they have a massive house. They have like four kids. Ah. So they have this big, huge house. And and I'm, as I said, we have two people living in a 2,500-square-foot home. We, we're good. We're, <laughs> we're, we're really good. It, that, that's, that's, you know, I don't like yard work. We got a small yard. This house is going to be so on four sides. He had the for sale side up on it. It's like ten acres. I'm like, I don't want ten acres of land. Yeah. Oh, no, no. And and so again, from his perspective, it was in a comparison thing. So a lot of people get in comparison mode, and I choose what is important to me. I I, I my furniture. I could. I know people that buy one piece of furniture that costs more than the entire furnishings in my house. It, it, it's it's and I'm good with that. I don't need a, a ten thousand dollar couch. Right. I, I really don't. Um, I'm good with that, but it, and, I, and I don't judge anyone that that's important to. But we, when we start comparing other, I buy nice cars. I, I, I shouldn't be driving cars in people's opinion that I drive, but I, I would rather spend my money on nicer cars. So that, that's something that's cool to me. And so we all have our thing, but if you judge, uh, if you try to have everything that everybody else has, you're going to appear to have a lack. And that's where a lot of this emotional stuff comes into is the comparison uh, I, I'm not. I'm not up with my peers, uh, or or the or the other people. I'm not at this point in my life that other people are, and that's a really frustrating mindset, and it, it creates an emotional feeling of lack that's really deep. I can understand that, and uh, I also wanted to elaborate a little bit on what I was talking about earlier about how the emotional thing can seem completely disconnected and you can't possibly see how there's a connection to it when you're digging it up. <clears throat> I actually found a connection later on. Uh, let me get, I'll, I'll give you just like an overview of it. I won't go into all the detail, but um, all of us get messages from our parents and they're not messages where the parents are saying, I'm going to give you this message to mess your head up. That's not the way it is, but we, we all get messages. It's just the way things are. Uh, messages happen and they're, they're usually unintentional. And these were certainly unintentional. My mom's messages to me basically amounted to this, that I am in some way emotionally responsible for everyone else in my life. Now, did she actually say that to me? No, not even close. But that's what it all added up to, I, that I am emotionally responsible for everyone else in my life. And then my dad's message to me was a message of monetary lack. Now, did we lack for anything growing up? Absolutely not. Did my dad lack for anything when he retired? No, he retired very well. But nevertheless, because both he and my mom grew up in the Great Depression, they had that depression mentality. And so all the time that I was growing up and all the time that my dad was alive, I kept getting the same message over and over again. You have to watch the money. You have to be careful. You have to budget everything. You have to be very stringent about how you spend it. You have to track everything and all that. It was a constant lack mentality. That went on and on and on and on. So you combine the two together. On the one hand, you've got you are responsible for everyone else's emotional state, and on the other, other hand, you have to always have tight reins on the money. That's not a winning combination, but it is a combination when you put it together. Because when you realize this disconnected thing about how you're emotionally responsible for somebody for somebody else and for anybody else, start connecting that to a mentality of monetary lack. Whoa, that all of a sudden starts to become a thing. And that's what I've just been kind of uncovering over the last few days. That, that's a really big thing that I still need to find a way to just put to rest. So that's what I'm working on right yes. now. Well, and, and, and that's where, you know, most of, most of the uh, emotional incongruence or, or the emotional blocks or whatever term you want to use for it are, are based, you know, on, on again, misperceptions or, or a perspective that, that has been, you know, you behave a certain way or the way your family, uh, w the way they responded to things or, or their importance. And, you know, it, it, where you put your energy in, in those thoughts and you get emotional blocks that are sometimes impossible to see. Now, they're, they're usually easy for somebody else to see. Yes, right. You know, it, 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 it's just you're, you're sitting there going, really? You don't <laughs> see it. It's more baffling they don't see it. it yes. It, 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 but it, it, you know, because it, it, it's, you know, I, I keep, uh, I have a, a, a friend, this, this is going to seem very, very odd at the beginning, but he, he, this has been many years ago. He was, uh, he had, he was dating this woman or actually got a, a very brutal divorce from his, uh, uh, wife. Mm -hmm. And she, he's from New Jersey and she was, uh, um, you know, this, she had this 
really bleached blonde hair, just like the Jersey Shore character. She could have been a character in Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just, you know, uh, let's just say she wasn't the nicest lady on the planet. <laughs> and so, uh, and for me, that, that's a pretty strong statement for me. Um, so, uh, anyway, he, he moves down to Florida, and that's where I get to know him. Well, he, he meets this woman who... I, I don't meet I don't meet her for a while. It's, it, they're, they're, they have this great relationship. He says, "Well, all of a sudden I meet her. And he looks identical to his ex-wife." Well, it isn't long before she is is really just creating these really difficult situations, threatens to call the police on him for hitting her, even though he never hit her. And I mean, just all these scenarios over and over, and this goes on and on. Well, he eventually leaves her. His third girlfriend that I get to meet looks identical for, to the first two and and behaves the same way. And, and at some point you're going, you know, what what is that? What what do you keep it? And he could not see it. Yeah. And what helped is I, I actually had three pictures of all the all of them and I laid them on the counter for him. And I said, you've married or you've been with the same woman three times in a row. They just have different names. Mm-hmm. And and it was that visual that helped to go. What am I attract? Why? Yeah, right. <laughs> he never saw it until it was. And to everybody else, it was like, oh yeah, it, you just keep dating the same one. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it and and I, you know, it, it, it's a much longer story than that. But there is this emotional stuff within us that goes way back often that creates these things. And and the, the most common is handed down from your family because mm-hmm. that's where your a lot of this stuff gets instilled from a very young age. Even when you don't realize you're you're doing it, and uh, it 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 has to, and it can happen in either direction. It's just what what you're picking up on. So it's very, you know, when when in Dan's letter when he talks about this, he, you know, he will continue to to, to work hard. He, he's obviously he, he's having success with the law of attraction, and now as he makes these further discoveries, he's going to he will be able to say, you know, I I need to apply the same strategy that got me my help back without me even trying, to my money. And when he figures that out, it will come easily and quickly for him. And, and just that example you gave just now about the the man who had dated three women who were all the same, and he didn't notice it, he didn't see it until it was you know, thrust in front of his face, that phenomenon is a very common phenomenon. And Dan actually expresses it in his email when he says, what I've noticed is that all the good stuff that has happened to my family has come through my wife, but seems to come when I'm feeling good. In other words, it's really clear he's the one who's attracting it to everyone except to him. To him, it's not clear at all. He thinks it's all coming from his wife. And that's the phenomenon you just described. Everybody else can see it except for you. Everyone else can tell that it. here's what your pattern is except for you. You can't see your own pattern. That's what makes all this stuff so hard is we don't know our own patterns. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that, that, that's, that's the beauty right there when you – the beauty of – the awakening of seeing your own patterns, it, it's it, that that's where it starts because the people don't, you know, you don't get jobs or you, you, you know, why, why do I have great interviews and this doesn't happen? Or why do these, you know, all these questions come up and, and you find yourself in the same scenario. Why does this keep happening to me? Yeah. Well, it isn't that you're cursed. It's what, how are, the, the, the question becomes, why am I attracting the same thing? Yes. Why is, you know, there, there's a statement somebody made the other day. I have done the exact same thing. This person perceives himself to be very lonely. And he's posted last night, I've done the exact same thing on Thanksgiving, for I mean, on um, Halloween for the last nine years. And so I I was on fire apparently last night on Facebook. <laughs> I, I wrote back to him. Uh, I, I, I said, huh, that's baffling. And um, I said, maybe next year don't do the same thing. Mm. And, and maybe things will be different, you know. And and at least he, he, he had a sense of humor about it. Well, that's I, good. Yeah, I realized that, that helped. Well, this is this has definitely helped me. I I think we've helped helped Dan. I hope we've helped Dan. And uh, I, the only bad part is that I have to wait another week before I talk to you again. But Joel, this has been great, and I look forward to talking to you again. Always good to talk to you, my friend. I, I hope you have an incredible week. And Dan, thank you so much for writing in. Absolutely, and we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>